Welcome to Quanta Magazine Science Podcast. Come for the science, stay for the stories. For news, interviews, videos, graphics, and more, visit quantamagazine.org. This week on the podcast, new insights from neuroscience. Researchers trace the biological origins of rhythm through a small zoo's worth of dancing animals. Reporter Ferris Jabar talked with scientists about why some animals can keep rhythm in his piece, The Beasts That Keep the Beat. There are moments when we witness an animal do something so uncannily human that we can never look at that animal or ourselves the same way again. For Irina Schultz, one of those moments happened on an otherwise ordinary day in August 2007. Schultz lived in Shearville, Indiana, where she managed a sanctuary for abandoned parrots. A man named Dane Spudick came by with a young male Eleonora cockatoo named Snowball. Snowball was striking. He had milk-white plumage and a sweep of yellow feathers on his nape that fanned into a mohawk when he was excited. Spudick explained that his family could no longer give the increasingly cantankerous Snowball the attention he needed. Oh, and by the way, he added, this bird is an incredible dancer. You should see what he can do. Spudick left behind a burn CD of Snowball's favorite music. Schultz already appreciated the intelligence and talents of birds. She had even seen some parrots sway and bob to music, but Spudick's claim seemed a bit hyperbolic. Later that evening, Schultz and her husband popped Spudick's CD into the computer in their living room. Everybody backstreets back by the Backstreet Boys started playing. Immediately, Snowball, who was perched on Schultz's arm, began kicking up his feet and bouncing his head with great zeal and precision. His movements were synced with the beat. Schultz couldn't believe her eyes. The bird wasn't just picking up his leg and gingerly putting it down. He was literally foot-stomping and appeared to be enjoying it. In time, the whole world would enjoy Snowball's dance moves. Schultz posted a video of the dancing parrot on the shelter's blog, which someone else, maybe in Russia, uploaded to YouTube. It went viral, getting more than 200,000 views in one week. Today, the video, which is now hosted on Snowball's official YouTube channel, has more than 5 million views. Snowball appeared on The Late Show with David Letterman, Good Morning America, and several other talk shows. He also starred in commercials for Taco Bell, Geico, and Loca Bottled Water. Snowball's performances also caught the attention of two scientists at the Neurosciences Institute in La Jolla, California. John Everson and Andy Root Patel were interested in the evolutionary origins and neuroscience of rhythm and music. At the time, there wasn't any documented evidence that non-human animals could dance, or, in more scientific terms, that they could entrain their movements to an external beat, meaning they can synchronize movement with sound. The snowball video really knocked Everson out. It was the first time he had ever seen animals matching movement to a beat. As a scientist, he said, these are the moments you love. Everson and Patel tested snowball in controlled experiments, changing the tempos of his favorite songs and observing how he responded without any training or encouragement. Snowball danced in spurts, not continuously, but frame-by-frame video analysis confirmed that he adapted his movements to match the altered beats. Soon after, other studies by separate research teams showed that many parrot species could entrain to a beat. So could elephants. Monkeys, on the other hand, didn't show much rhythmic talent in the lab. 
These findings seem to fit a hypothesis Patel had recently thought of. Musical rhythm, he argued, is a byproduct of vocal learning. Vocal learning is the ability to reproduce sounds you've never heard before. Humans, parrots, and elephants are all vocal learners. Scientists have documented elephants imitating the sounds of trucks and other animals. Parrots are literally synonymous with mimicry. The verb to parrot means to repeat mechanically. Monkeys, on the other hand, are born with a limited set of hoots and screams. Patel's idea was that the evolution of vocal learning in some species strengthened the links between brain regions in charge of hearing and movement, which made musical rhythm possible. In the decades since Patel introduced his vocal learning hypothesis, it seemed to fit all relevant data. It turns out that Everson and Patel's study of Snowball was just the beginning. It opened up a whole world of research on the animal kingdom and its musicality. In recent years, scientists have tested various species and found evidence that non-vocal learners, like sea lions and bonobos, have rhythm too. At the same time, pioneering studies have begun to clarify how the brain tracks a beat. This research could help scientists confirm that rhythm is not just a human thing. The new findings suggest that rhythm has a more ancient and universal evolutionary origin than was originally thought. Peter Cook is a comparative psychologist at Emory University. He doesn't think that the vocal learning hypothesis has much to teach us anymore. Beat keeping might be rooted in a really old, widely conserved mechanism, he explained. It's basically how brains communicate. Cook is more interested in why some animals don't keep the rhythm. Patel and Everson published their first study on Snowball in 2008. Irina Schultz was a co-author on the paper. A year later, Adina Schachner, at the time a researcher at Harvard, searched YouTube and found an African gray parrot named Alex could also move to a beat, as could Asian elephants and 13 other parrot species. More evidence came from Columbia neuroscientist and musician David Salzer, also known as Dave Soldier. He had been recording albums with an orchestra of Asian elephants in Thailand. He constructed supersized drums, gongs, and chimes for them. Meanwhile, Yoshimaseki and his team at the Brain Institute in Japan successfully trained parakeets to peck an LED in time to a wide range of tempos. In related experiments, other researchers found rhesus monkeys mostly failed to learn rhythmic tapping tasks. They took more than a year to grasp the concept and even then were inconsistent and tended to lag behind the rhythm. By 2012, the vocal learning hypothesis seemed to be transitioning from tentative notion to promising explanation of rhythm's biological origins. Because people, parrots, and elephants had all evolved to be vocal copycats, they had an innate talent for recognizing and replicating auditory rhythms. In contrast, acoustically inflexible primates did not. But then, a single maverick mammal, one not known for musical prowess, leapt from the sea to stage, stole the spotlight, and urged the scientific community to reconsider. A few years after word of Snowball got around, Cook, the comparative psychologist at Emory University, was thinking up a research project. At the time, he was a graduate student at UC Santa Cruz and working with undergrad Andrew Rouse. Cook was studying the behavior of pinnipeds, which are walruses, seals, and sea lions, and he knew that Rouse had a passion for music. Perhaps, Cook thought, they could combine their interests and really put the vocal learning hypothesis to the test. Walruses and seals are not quite as vocally skilled as parrots, but they can mimic novel sounds. In the 1970s and 80s, one especially remarkable Atlantic Harbor seal named Hoover learned to imitate human speech. He greeted New England aquarium visitors with phrases like, Hello there, how are ya, and get out of here, with a thick Kennedy-esque accent. 
Sea lions, however, separated from their pinniped cousins by more than 20 million years of divergent evolution, are not nearly as vocally flexible. Cook explains sea lions can bark and grunt on command at a fast or slow rate, but they don't seem to alter frequency or produce novel calls. So Cook, Rouse, and their colleagues decided to try to teach a sea lion named Ronin to dance. At first, Cook trained Ronin to bob her head to simple metronome-like pulses of 80 and 120 beats per minute, or BPM. But that did not prove that Ronin could identify a rhythm and move in sync. She might have learned to simply move at two specific speeds in response to two distinct sounds, the same way a dog might trot at one whistle and sprint at another. In a second experiment, Cook presented Ronin with beats she had never encountered before, 96, 88, 108, 132, and 72 beats per minute. This time, she had to bob her head in time with beats without any training or practice rounds. She did bob to the beats, sometimes slightly ahead of slower beats or a smidge behind the faster ones. The real test, however, was whether Ronin could dance to actual music, pop and rock songs with lyrics and flourishes over an underlying beat. Could she, like Snowball, extract the rhythm from the Backstreet Boys, Everybody, or Boogie Wonderland by Earth, Wind, and Fire? She could. Even playing Boogie Wonderland at varying tempos did not throw her off. She adjusted her bobs accordingly. She was incredibly precise, Cook said. Right out of the gate, she nailed it. They managed to show that there was no way she could have hit all those beats by chance. Cook and his colleagues published their results in the Journal of Comparative Psychology in 2013. Several more recent studies have indicated that other animals classified as non-vocal learners, in particular the great apes, also have a sense of rhythm. Unlike parrots, elephants, and Hoover the harbor seal, the great apes are not adept at mimicking sounds or even the basics of human speech. But there have been inklings for quite some time that apes might know how to follow a beat. While chimpanzees and bonobos drum their hands and feet on their bodies or resonant objects like logs and tree roots when playing or reinforcing their dominance. In 2012, Yuko Hattori of Kyoto University published the first evidence from a controlled experiment showing that chimpanzees will spontaneously tap to a beat. And last year, Patricia Gray, a concert pianist and director of the biomusic program at the University of North Carolina Greensboro, revealed that she had discovered snowballs equal among a group of bonobos. One day in 2010, while waiting for an experiment to be set up at a great ape research center in Des Moines, Iowa, Gray began idly tapping her hand on the side of a glass enclosure. From the other side of the glass, a bonobo named Kanzi started to tap as well, matching Gray's tempo. She thought, well, this is interesting. I wonder how long we can keep it up. They kept going and going. Even when it was time for Kenzie's snack, he rolled onto his back, ate his helping of green onions with his hands, and continued tapping with his dexterous feet. The following year, Gray embarked on an experiment to formally answer a simple question. Can bonobos drum to a beat? She and Edward Large, a neuroscientist at the University of Connecticut specializing in music perception, studied a group of bonobos at the Jacksonville Zoo and Gardens in Florida, in particular a 29-year-old female named Cooney. Unlike Kanzi, none of these apes had any prior exposure to musical instruments, but Gray and Large did not want to give the primates any old instrument. Bonobos are much stronger than humans and could easily break a typical drum. The scientists commissioned drummaker Remo to design a sturdy tube drum that was appropriate height for a bonobo 
and could withstand 227 kilograms of pressure. For good measure, they bolted it to a concrete floor in the bonobo's living quarters. At first, the apes approached the drum with trepidation, but once the researchers and zoo staff started demonstrating, the bonobos were enthralled. By the fall of 2011, several high-ranking females, including Cooney, were voluntarily drumming along with staff members, which encouraged others to join in too. The real experiments began in December 2011 and continued through the spring. On one side of a steel mesh door, an experimenter listened to a metronome through headphones and drummed along. On the other side, Cooney, the most skilled player, could choose to beat on her drum. Cooney's performance was comparable to snowballs. Both matched the abilities of a human child, accurately tracking a beat in spurts rather than continuously. Gray wanted the bonobos to choose to participate. They can be as moody as humans, she said. The data that she and her team collected showed that Cooney could synchronize with a beat, even if she was only interested for a short time. Gray explained that every time a new species can demonstrate timing ability, it pokes a hole in what people assume is a clear-cut delineation of who has rhythm and who does not. Despite these new findings, Patel and Everson are not quite ready to let go of the vocal learning hypothesis. Everson thinks it still explains most of the data. He's now with the Schwartz Center for Computational Neuroscience at UC San Diego. They want to see more experiments with other species, in particular dogs and horses, both of which are decidedly not vocal learners. Everson said that some researchers have raised the question, why don't dogs dance? After all, dogs have been exposed to our music and dancing for tens of thousands of years. It could be intrinsic neural limitations. Maybe you need right brain circuits, he added. But if future experiments match the latest studies and confirm that an innate sense of rhythm does not depend on neural circuits unique to vocal learners, then how does the brain follow a beat? And what explains the evolutionary origins of this ability? One alternative explanation is coming into focus. Scientists have known for decades that all brains of all creatures are highly rhythmic biological machines. Both individual neurons and groups of brain cells display repetitive fluctuations in their electrical and chemical activity. But when scientists talk about neural oscillations, they are usually referring to cyclic changes in the strength of the electric fields generated by thousands or millions of interconnected brain cells. Devices such as an EEG, a net of electrodes placed on the scalp, can detect these fluctuations and graph them as wavy lines, like those drawn by a seismograph. Although researchers know that these rhythms vary widely depending on someone's behavior, and that certain rhythms correlate with specific physiological states, like wake versus sleep, their exact purpose remains unclear. Some have argued that they are inevitable and largely ineffectual byproducts of the brain's wiring. Others think that such vacillations might encode and transmit information. Since at least the 1970s, researchers have proposed that neural oscillations might be especially important for recognizing patterns and rhythms in the environment, that the brain's own rhythms might actually sync up with those in the world around us. Until recently, however, there was no experimental evidence to support that idea. In 2005, Large and Joel Snyder, now at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, published an EEG study showing that when people listen to tones played at regular intervals, certain neural circuits begin to oscillate in time with the tones. It was the first study of its kind. 
Large said that, oddly enough, no one had looked before. There had been behavioral evidence accumulating for 40 years in experiments with people tapping along to beats, but they wanted to go in and see if the brain's own oscillations sync with what we hear. Since then, dozens of similar experiments demonstrated that neural oscillations in both human and other animal brains, including those of monkeys and zebrafish, consistently synchronize with auditory rhythms, including rhythms generated from a simple metronome, classical music, or human speech. At first, Large and other researchers focused such studies on oscillations in the auditory cortex, a small, centrally located brain region that organizes and interprets neural signals related to sound. But in the last eight years, studies using MEG and fMRI, a measurement that tracks blood flow in the brain, have revealed that neural circuits specialized for movement are also used to process auditory rhythms. Large was surprised to learn that motor areas are active even when people are sitting still and just listening. The emerging picture is that the auditory and motor regions sync with each other at the same time as they synchronize to external rhythms, he explained. This might help us store and remember the pattern so we can generate them later. Patel and Everson view these findings as further support for the vocal learning hypothesis. The fact that neural oscillations match patterns in speech and music is not sufficient to explain how we or other animals track a beat, they argue. Rather, musical rhythm only emerges in species that have robust bridges between brain areas specialized for hearing and movement. This allows them to synchronize oscillations in those regions all the more precisely. According to their model, when we sit perfectly still and listen to music, brain regions responsible for planning our movements predict when the next beat will drop. It's as though these regions were anticipating an upcoming footfall while running or the subsequent swing of an arm. The brain's auditory regions then use the motor region's predictions to sync with the beat as well. In other words, the brain can only make sense of music by relating it to rhythmic bodily movements, even if we aren't moving at all. Large thinks this is a misinterpretation. He doesn't think any especially complex circuitry is needed for a sense of rhythm. If a brain has connections between the auditory and motor regions, then we should be able to see them synchronize, he explained. Cook agrees. The first thing to realize, he said, is that what we think of as musical rhythm, singing, dancing, or otherwise following an auditory beat, is just one form of rhythm among living things. Think about the synchronous flash of fireflies, or the lockstep of cheetah and gazelle, the ease with which millions of bats move together, like living smoke in the night sky, the highly coordinated hunts of wolves and orcas, and the intricate mating dances of tropical birds. Clearly, rhythm is fundamental to life, a fact reflected in the numerous links between sensory organs and muscles, as well as between sensory and motor regions in all animal brains. The fundamental purpose of neurons and brains is to form those connections, to guide behavior using information gathered from the outside world. Cook said that we can take this really far back in the evolution of brains. Brains are basically networks of circuits, and the way they work together is by synchronizing their firing patterns. Rhythm is baked in. If rhythm itself is so commonplace among living things, then why is musical rhythm so rare? Perhaps it's not. What the latest evidence suggests is that the latent ability to follow a beat is much more widespread than previously realized. But in many species, it probably needs some coaxing to reveal itself. Humans, parrots, and elephants are all highly intelligent social species that depend on vocal communication to reproduce and survive. 
it makes sense that species like these will be especially responsive to auditory rhythms, but their precocious skills necessarily build upon far more common abilities and neural wiring found in a wide range of animals. When these less ostentatious creatures are given appropriate opportunities and encouragement, their latent musical abilities divulge themselves. Cook said that the tricky part is motivation. At first, Ronan, the sea lion, didn't give a crap about the beat. But once they gave her the right training and impetus, she was like, oh yeah, of course I can do that. Up until now, the idea has been that biological differences explain humans' unique musical gifts. Perhaps, though, that discrepancy stems more from culture than biology. Some human infants instinctively bob up and down and shake their limbs when they see people singing and dancing, which implies an innate sense of rhythm. Yet studies show that children do not learn to synchronize their movements to a beat until preschool age at the earliest, and even then they are not very consistent. And if a child were never exposed to dancing or music, would she develop any musical rhythm at all? Maybe we're more like Snowball and Ronin than we'd like to admit. We all have an innate capacity for rhythm that requires the right environment to reveal itself. Perhaps it's not that we're biologically so different or superior, but rather that we're so much better at creating that suitable environment. Some scholars believe that our hominin ancestors were dancing and singing long before they evolved language, investing considerable resources in ritual performances and the construction of drums and flutes. Today, music continues to suffuse every phase of our lives, from lullaby to elegy. We may not be the only species with rhythm, but we are the only ones with a universal culture of music and dance. We have become the ultimate keepers of the beat. You're listening to Quantum Magazine Science Podcast with music by Poddington Bear. I'm Karen Chikurji. For news, interviews, graphics, and more, visit quantummagazine.org.